All right, we are on part four of Let There Be Light, and um, I'm not going to spend any time recapping tonight. I'm going to just pick up because I want to be sure to get through with this lesson, but it is, this is the fourth part, so there's three others that you can go listen to on YouTube, and there's actually four others because Jeremy Dan talked about light before I even kicked off this series, and so you can go back and check those out. If you have not heard those, it's perfectly okay. This lesson is um, self-sufficient. You can just kind of jump right in. It doesn't matter if you haven't heard um, the previous ones. You'll be able to get exactly, I believe, what the Lord has for you tonight. So I'm going to pray over this real quick. Father, I ask that you would give me the words to speak. You have already authored this lesson, but I recognize my weakness. I am not able to get it out without your strength. So I thank you for giving me what's on this paper but now, God, I'm coming back to you because I need you to breathe it through me. I need you to speak it through me. Lord, open every heart. Let these words not fall on deaf ears. Let them not fall on hard hearts. Go before your words tonight and prepare the hearts of every listener so this word can take root and do a work in Jesus' name. Everybody say, I receive that. Work in my heart, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this series I already made clear. Let me take a drink real quick. I already made it clear that this series is to the church. This series is to saved people. This series is to the people that the Lord has called out of darkness, according to the word of God, called out of darkness and moved into his glorious light, his marvelous light. This is to the ecclesia, the called out ones. This is to God's people. Um, and so if you feel saved in this room tonight, then this lesson is specifically for you. So look over to your neighbor and say, it's for you. And if they say it's not for me, then say, so we need to take care of your salvation at the end of this. <laughs> at the end of this uh, service tonight. I will be happy to help with that. All right. So, um, my goal tonight, I wore this continually better shirt for a reason because I want us to remember our theme. Everything we do is with the purpose of getting continually better. So if we're talking about a series of let there be light, then our goal would be to shine continually brighter. We want to get continually stronger. We want to shine continually brighter. We want to be continually better. And so tonight, the purpose of this lesson is to give us all a tip that will help us be fruitful, vibrant, life-bearing vessels, light-bearing vessels, okay? Not tired, exhausted, dimly lit wondering why we can't bear fruit for God, okay? It is possible to be saved, but not bearing fruit. It is possible to feel like you have already given your heart to God, but to be dragging around and not be a very good representation of, of what Jesus does in people's lives. Um, my dad called it mule-faced religion. So w this, this lesson is to turn this up. Okay, and for us to really evaluate what do we look like to the world, it's important that we look vibrant, that we are representing something that the world would want. And if, if we're just walking around saved and not so glad about it, then that's, that's really working for the enemy, okay? So tonight's goal is to give you a tip that will help you live the abundant, everybody say abundant, abundant life. What does abundant mean? Superior in quality. Jesus said, I came that you might have life. Everybody take a, a breath. But that is not what he's talking about. He doubled down and have it more abundantly. So he said, I came that you might be able to breathe, but have life that is superior in quality. If you're taking notes, ask yourself the question to answer when you can be honest, am I living a life that is superior in quality? Okay, so tonight's lesson is actually going to sound like an oxymoron. Um, how many of you learned what an oxymoron is, is in English and you still remember what it is? 
Yeah. So I think it's pretty funny that moron is in there. <laughs> Oxymoron because it is just complete opposites that actually mean something. Okay, so um, tonight will be like an oxymoron, but at the end of this lesson, I think it will make a lot of sense to you. So the title of this is Hide in the Light. Hide in the Light. The text is going to be John chapter 3, verse 19, verse 20, and verse 21. Everybody say, Hide in the Light. So here's that. Here's the text. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. So this lesson was actually inspired through something that I lived this week, and um, I already had my mind focused on um, light. I know that this is the series, so I've got to talk about light, and, and I had an experience that, that was perfect for this week, so I'm going to tell you about it. So um, those of you that know me, I love potted plants. I mean, I really love potted plants. And so as I was typing my lesson today, I thought, you know what? I don't even know how many potted plants I have. I haven't counted. Now, I don't do great when they're in the ground. Never been able to grow a garden. Um, don't do well with things that are planted in the ground. But if it's in a pot, I seem to be able to relate to it. I don't know. I can take care of a, of a potted plant. So I got up, took a break from my lesson, and I thought, how many potted plants do I have? I have 29 potted plants throughout my house. I did not know that. And some of those plants are from 2012, and one plant has turned into four plants because they just keep growing and multiplying, and you just repot them. And so I have, I happen today to have 29 potted plants. And I love them. It's like therapy to me. I really, really enjoy taking care of them. And some of them are super easy, and they make me feel like I have a green thumb. Some of them, Derek, make me feel like, oh, girl, you know what you're doing. You are so good at this. And, and like I said, some of them are 11 years old from 2012. But there is this certain plant that I love that always humbles me. And it happens to only be two months old because I can't ever keep one alive. And it is called the beautiful, vibrant Boston fern. I love a Boston fern. And I drive to Brookshire Brothers and True Values Boston ferns are just screaming, look how easy we are to raise. Even True Value can raise us. <laughs> I try to go grocery shopping at Super One, and they've got Boston ferns, and they're like, see, I mean, they're just taunting me. See, even a grocery store can keep us alive. And so every year, I'm like, oh, I love Boston ferns, and I get them, and they die. I've never been able to keep one alive. And so um, it even came to the place where Jeremy would say, no, not this time. <laughs> Look, but don't touch. You cannot, you don't have what it takes, no matter how good you feel about raising plants. That one is proving that you don't know what you're doing, and so we're not going to spend any more money. I have bought from True Value. I have bought from the school fundraiser, cheerleaders, I think. It doesn't matter where I buy the fern from, I kill a fern. So... It's been several years since I've had a fern because Jeremy just said, no more, no more. We're not, we're not shelling out any money for any more ferns. But I guess something kind of changed in his heart this year because I went on the ladies' retreat. And if you know, that is Mother's Day weekend. And I got home Saturday evening to two beautiful, and I'm going to use these words several times through this lesson. Everybody say vibrant, healthy. So I came home to two beautiful, vibrant, healthy Boston ferns. So if you'll put picture number one 
Uh, there, no, that's not it. Picture, yeah, there we go. So, um, right there, those babies, Jeremy brought those home to me. Look how vibrant they are. Look how beautiful they are. And, and I don't know if, I, I don't know if the Lord was saying, you got to believe in second chances, Jeremy, because I gave you second chances or what. But for some reason, he decided to give me uh, another chance. And so he, he, he bought them. And when I got home, I was, I mean, just, they did my heart so much good. Um, looking at that is just, it, it's just a sign of, of health, of life, of vibrancy, of being blessed. It's, you can't look at that and be sad. I mean, that does something to your heart. And so I thought, yes, I'm motivated. It's going to be different this time. I'm going to keep them alive. I'm going to do great. And um, everything was good for a little while. I put in my notes here, me and Boston Ferns, we have a love-hate relationship. Do you have anything or anybody like that in your life? <laughs> I love them, but I think they hate me. And so uh, it's always constantly reminding me of what I don't know about keeping a plant alive. And so I've had it since, I've had those since May, and they were, they were just doing so well. And I'm telling you, they require so much attention. Out of 29 potted plants, I have 27 that are doing wonderful. And they don't require, a, a couple of them do require in the summertime some more attention. But these are like the new puppy. And every other puppy, every other old dog just kind of gets pushed to the side because you've got a new puppy and you love it. And every day in, in the heat, I'm, I'm taking care of them twice a day. I am, this is what I do to take care of these babies. I water them and then I get a spray bottle and I mist them. And I'm like picking up the foliage and I'm misting underneath and I'm just loving on them and I'm, I'm fixing them like hair. And they are getting so much of my attention. And yet I notice that <laughs> they're not vibrant. I am doing everything according to the book. And they're not vibrant. So yesterday I went to um, Google. I went to Google to hear what Kelly told me in May that I did not do. I went to Google and I said, how to revive a um, dying, I don't think I said dying, how to revive a fern maybe. Because they're not dying. And I, and I want you to really think about everything I'm saying and your life. Okay. So they're not dying. I talked last week about dying, and you're probably like, but I'm not dying. They're not dying, but they're not thriving. And I'm doing everything as their caregiver by the book. So some, they're screaming at me that something is not right, but according to the checklist, I'm doing everything that should be done. So I, I read yesterday, it said, get a big barrel Fill it with water and immerse the fern. Like immerse it until the bubbles stop. Stick it all the way down in water and then spray it down real good so all of the, the brown foliage comes off. And so that's exactly what I did. I'm like, I don't have anything else to lose. They're going downhill. And so I baptized those babies. I baptized those ferns yesterday before I came to prayer. I'm out in the yard and I, I dunk it in a big, in a, in this big container and then I'm spraying it down so the brown foliage, um, comes off and then I pick it up and I give it a good shaking and then I go back to the porch and I get some shears and I start cutting off exactly what it said cutting off the brown, cutting off the stems that didn't have any leaves, cutting off the things that are telling me this, something's wrong with me. And I just begin to, to cut away real gentle. And I've, I noticed that inside the core, when I first got them, you see how thick that is, how like you can't even see down in it. You notice that? I noticed that I was able to see down in it, like it's getting bald, and, and something, is, something is not right, but I just never could put my finger on it. So as I'm cutting away some stuff, lo and behold, 
I see the culprit. A snail. A snail has been hiding in the core of my plant. Not quickly and not even visibly to the eye. Slowly eating away at the health of my plant. Stealing its vibrancy. So the Lord spoke to me. He's like, your flock. No, you may have some that are not dying, but they're not vibrant. And here's what's happening. When I baptized that thing, that, I call it baptized, when I immersed that plant, it got saturated. And in its saturation, the, the water went deep into the core and pushed out the culprit. Now, I had been giving it plenty of water. I had been babying it. I had been nurturing it. I had been misting it. But it needed a baptism. It needed to be saturated. It needed to be immersed. And what I felt the presence of the Lord speak to me for us is, yes, you are being watered. Yes, you are reading the word. Yes, you are coming to church and you are hearing a pastor speak into your life. Yes, you have fellowship. Yes, you're being loved on and you don't understand why you're losing your vibrancy. It is because God fully intended for you to have times in his presence where his spirit absolutely immerses you. I pulled that plant I pulled that fern up out of the bucket, out of the barrel, and it was so saturated that water just started coming out from it everywhere. And my mind goes back to Jesus Christ saying, when you are immersed in my spirit, rivers of living water will just start flowing out of you everywhere. So what happened is the water overtook the fern, and it pushed to the surface what was hiding in the deep. You can be in the word of God. Don't ever stop that. You can be with brothers and sisters that love you. Don't ever stop that. But don't ever be satisfied living without an absolute saturation, immersion in the presence of Almighty God. Because the saturating presence of Almighty God can go so deep into your core that it pushes out things that were in there that nobody else can reach in and touch. So there is no, this is not my lesson, but there is no replacement for the presence of God baptizing us. Okay? When I say baptize, because baptize is to be fully immersed. So there, there are times in our lives when we need to be flooded with God's presence. There are times when we need to be absolutely drenched in the presence of God, where he flows over us and through us and around us. And then when he picks us up and sends us back out into the world, his spirit is just flowing out of us onto everything. Okay. When I put the fern back where it belongs, which is right there, everything was wet. I want to ask, if you are living long periods of time without letting the Holy Spirit saturate you, you will be dry. And you're only getting enough water for just you. But if you will let the Holy Spirit saturate you, then you can get enough to saturate everything else around you, okay? Is it making sense? Okay. <clears throat> so, everybody say vibrant and healthy. Let me go to picture number two. All right, so there's, there they are <laughs> now. I'm trying to bring them back to life. You see, well, they're not dead, so I can't say back to life. I'm trying to bring them back 
to a vibrant state. They're sad is exactly what it is. They're saved, but they're sad. They're saved, but they're not vibrant. That's not screaming to anybody by me. What about you? You're saved, but you're sad. You're not vibrant. And you're doing everything that seems to be right. And I think we're going to find tonight why we are not as vibrant as God intended and as Jesus died for us to be. Maybe you're not dead, but you're not thriving. You're somewhere in the middle. I want to ask everybody this question. When Christ first touched your life, when Christ first found you, when Christ, when you were first delivered, when you were first filled with his spirit, when you first came out of darkness into the light, did you have a different vibrancy than you do now? Did people look at you and say, oh, wow, something's really changed in your life. And you're shining and you're bright. And I, I want to ask, like, if his light, you know, when we go to heaven, there's not going to be a sun because Jesus is the light. The Bible teaches us that. So if your light has dimmed, his hasn't. So it's not that he's doing anything less in your life. I venture to say you got a snail. You got something that is hiding in your life that, that the human eye and your brothers and sisters, nobody can pick up on it. All they know is you're just not vibrant anymore. You're just not shining the same. You're just not, you're, you're, you're not as passionate. So let me ask this question. When he first found you, did you look more vibrant than you do now? So let me see here. Um, let's go to picture number three. All right, so this is <laughs> the world's characterization of of what I thoroughly enjoyed destroying yesterday. <laughs> I was a killing machine yesterday, just so you'll know. And not only did one snail come to the surface, dos, two snails to the surface. Now, remember, how many times had I been touching this plant? How many times had I been all around this plant and couldn't see it? Until the water... Okay, pushed it up. So this, I looked up snails. And you can buy snail decorations. I mean, people think they're cute. The world makes these horrendous little creatures look cute. I picked that baby off of that stem, and I put it on one of the stones in my flower bed, and I took another stone, and I stoned that sucker. <laughs> I did. I did. I was so mad at that thing. I mean, I was so thankful that I found it, but the damage that it had done, I stoned it. And then I stoned the second one. <laughs> so, all right, let me find my place. Here we go. Um, let's see. I'm just going to pick up right here. Maybe you're not dying like I preached about last week. But you're not vibrant anymore. That's the point I'm on right now. Because there are some things in your life that no one can pick out because they're hidden. And you're not even really too concerned about them because they're eating away at you just slowly. Like you don't even notice that they're eating away at you because it's not like some quick, fast destruction. It's just slowly eating away at you. So if you'll go to the next slide, I looked up snails, and this is what I found. Snails are rarely seen out and about in bright sunlight. They prefer places that are dark or at the very least shady. 
During the day, snails are usually found under rocks or leaf litter in hollow logs or on the underside of leaves. Some snails even burrow in the ground to get out of direct sunlight. If a snail can't find shelter on the ground, okay, he uses this special mucus until he can get to a place where there's enough shade for him. So snails like shady. Everybody say shady. And they like darkness. So my ferns, which if you haven't put it together yet, look over to your friend and say, you're a fern. <laughs> my ferns are in, last week you were a sheep, this week you're a fern. I don't know what we're going to be next week, okay? So my ferns are in a predicament. Why? Because what do ferns love, Lindsay? Ferns love shady areas. Oh, gosh, so do people. So do people. We're in a predicament because we're saved, but we kind of like some shady stuff. We kind of like the darkness. I mean, the Lord just told us in John, John 3, it says, Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light. Why? Because his deeds will be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light. So we're in a predicament because we like the same thing that the snails like. The ferns need the same environment that the snails need. My porch is a perfect spot for a fern. But it is also a perfect spot for snails. So where the fern wants to dwell is also where snails are thriving. And what happens in our lives is if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to immerse us, then we find ourselves being drawn to the same shady, little less light areas. And before we know it, we get something attached to us. And it gets in our core, and nobody notices at first because it doesn't come in like a flood. And it starts eating away. Listen, it can actually be one belief. One wrong belief can eat away at you for years and years and years, and you just lose your vibrancy. And by the time that belief has had its way in your life, and it can just simply be the belief of nobody loves you. One belief doesn't seem like a big deal. You're unlovable. Doesn't seem like a big deal. But when you look at the end of your life, at how many times and how many ways that belief system has eaten away at your life. Saved with a snail. So I want to ask you, <clears throat> what would be trying to eat away at your life hidden under the surface? I'm not questioning your salvation but I'm trying to find what's stealing your vibrancy. This is what snails are, and then you apply it to your life. Snails are darkness-loving creatures that thrive in shady places. Slide number six. So my ferns are in a pre... Look my puppy wanted to pose. I could not cut her out of that. There is no way. She is sitting there so beautiful. <laughs> she don't, nobody tell her I was not taking a picture of her because she sure thought she was posing. So these are vincas, and they are sun-loving plants. They love the bright sunshine, and guess what I never find inside of them? I never find a snail inside of my vincas. Why? Because they they're hiding in the light. 
What do I mean by hiding in the light? If you will run to the light, dwell in the light, stay surrounded in the light, then the things that thrive in shady, dark areas will not cross the light to get to you. You're literally hiding in broad daylight. Those babies right there have zero snails, and I never have to check them for snails, and they're vibrant, are they not? Their desire is different from the fern. If I could talk the fern into loving light, then I wouldn't have to fight the snails. But I'm fighting snails because the fern loves shady areas. So we're going to go back to the text, if you'll put there, put that up there. Men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen. So as long as we keep loving shady places, shady things, shady environments where light is filtered, you know what I think about when I say that? Religion. Religion filters light. Religion refuses to let the full bright light of God Almighty shine. It filters it too much. And I will tell you, snails love religion. Bitterness is a snail and it loves religion. Pain is a snail and it loves religion. Yeah, that wasn't in my notes, so I had to, I lost my place a little bit. So as long as we keep loving light-filtered areas, we will keep finding ourselves slowly being eaten away by shade-dwelling destroyers but if we will run to the father and let him immerse us with his spirit and let him cleanse our desires desire is the key what is that what is the vinca desire the light what is the fern desire the shade so what do i mean by this Let God's light shine on you. Let God's light shine through you. Let God's light shine in you. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17 that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? God says, but I, the Lord, search the heart. So what we're going to do is we're going to come to God and we're going to say, I'm desiring shady places god i'm desiring things that are that are that are allowing me to connect with things that are eating away with me i'm i'm desiring places that are putting a wedge between me and you i'm i'm desiring the wrong thing so i'm coming to your light i'm not going to hide i'm not going to hide my desires i'm not going to hide my frailties and my faults i'm going to open i'm going to get the strength and the courage to hide in the light and i'm going to open my heart to you as scary as it is and as ugly as it is but if your light will shine on me then the things that love the darkness will begin to move away from me I went and saw the sound of freedom last night everybody needs to see it sound of freedom it's about child sex trafficking and I'm telling you if, if you have desires that you are not willing to share with somebody, that is a snail. If you have desires that are not okay in the light, you are harboring a snail. And staying in a secluded, dark room with a computer is getting you in trouble. You are... You are You think you're hiding from the world, but you are absolutely uh, living 
with snails. If you want to get free from that, get out of that dark room. Turn your computer where everybody in the house can see it and hide baby in the light. And you will be so less tempted to pull up nasty, gross, terrible, awful things when it's in the light. You won't even be tempted the same. I'm going to get real with you for a second. I don't know if you can handle it. You may not can handle it, but I'm going to do it. So I was young, and I had only been married, um, what, Mom, maybe just a few months, and somebody comes from Mexico. Somebody that when I um, babysat, my mom made me quit babysitting because um, the man, the kid's father was just way too nice, and I was only like 12 years old, and said, no, you're not going to babysit there anymore. And I'm like, why? But I love them. No, you're not going to babysit there anymore. So I find myself 18 years old and, and married, and I thought that life was great. And all of a sudden, at church, a guy shows up from Mexico. He shows up from Mexico to see uh, Brienne, and Brienne is married, and he doesn't care. And so it's, hey, you want to go out to eat? Um, and I'm like, uh, I didn't even know how to answer that. I wasn't prepared. I, I did not know, like, I wasn't very assertive. And, and I, don't, I don't remember how I got out of that one. I think Jeremy said no or something. But he wouldn't stop. He, he, he was um, persistent with it. And so he, I was working, and he showed up where I was working. And um, he, was, he was, like, being nice. And I was like, liking it a little bit because I'm 18 and yeah I've got a husband but man this guy like he's kind of giving me some attention and some shade was starting to set in but it I mean it felt good the shade was nice and so I I I didn't I didn't do anything quote-unquote wrong as the world would say wrong but I didn't hide in the light either so next thing I know this is all over just like a couple of days Next thing I know, he shows up where I'm working and shows up and it's just him and it's just me. And my coworker is in another part of the building and he says something I don't even remember. And I said, yeah, um, I had a dream about you last night. And he's like, oh, you did. And what did I do? A little more shade. In just a matter of seconds, I'm, I'm young and naive but I'm also dwelling in the shade. Next thing I know, that man planted a kiss on my cheek, and I have a wedding ring on my finger. And now I'm like, what's going on here? What's going on here? That never would have happened if I had done this. So I'm going to get real with everybody. Another several years later, a guy comes from Canada. What is it with other countries? So nothing ever happened with the guy. He went back to, he went back to Mexico. Nothing, nothing happened. And I think, uh, I don't remember, like it was so nothing that I don't remember how, if I told Jeremy right then, I maybe went down and told my coworker, maybe told my parents. I can't remember exactly, but the guy went back to Mexico. It was, it was an eye-opener to me. I'm like, uh-oh, wait, how did that happen? And looking back now, 40 years old, because I was only 18, I was dwelling in the shade. I was dwelling in the shade. And it, wasn't, it didn't look like darkness because I'm just being quote-unquote nice, but it was shady. So several years later, a guy comes from Canada. And he's got a nice accent. And it's, you know, he's nice and sweet and never made a pass at me. Never, never, never made a pass. Never was anything outside of just cordial and nice and friendly. He was in fire academy. And so my husband let him stay with us one night. And you know what I did this time? Smarter. Hey, baby. I, I just need you to watch me with him. I, I need you to not let me. I'm, I'm shedding light right now. I, I need you to watch me with him because I feel some shade. I feel some shade kind of setting in, and it's not anything he's doing. It's, it's all like in, in my heart. I know I'm getting way too real. But either I'm going to help you or not, because here's what I'm going to say. 
When I say live in the light, that was taken care of the moment I told my husband. I hid in the light. So what do I mean by hide in the light? Tell somebody. It's that applicable. It is that practical. It is that relevant. If something's not right inside your life, tell somebody. Hey, baby, I've been eating at 2 o'clock in the morning. Tell somebody. Hey, baby, I've been feeling a little bit, been feeling a little down lately. Tell somebody. Living in, hiding in the light is when you go to somebody and you say, hey, something's not right with me. And, and I just need, I can't fight this on my own. So I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to shine the light on it. And I promise you, when you shine the light to your spouse, to your sister in Christ, to your pastor, to your, hey, I'm, I'm struggling. I need a drink. I'm drinking a little more than I should. Hey, um, you might not know this, but after you go to bed, I've been, I've been slipping in some pain medicine. If you're doing it in secret, it's a snail. You can be saved, but you won't stay vibrant. Hey, I've been kind of just entertaining some doubt. I've been questioning how real God is. You better tell somebody. I'm meddling, I know. But if I can't help you, it does no good. It, it, I can't brag if we are pastoring sad, saved people. The goal here is vibrant and healthy. So that's what I mean by run to the light. Tell somebody. If you're doing something or thinking something or experiencing something that you're not comfortable with anybody knowing, you're in the shade. I don't care if it is just having a lazy bone in your body and, and you're not wanting to uh, get up until 1 o'clock every day. <laughs> I'm talking to myself because now we've kind of shifted into we're not empty nest, but that 18-year-old can take care of himself. And so, I mean, I can sleep late if I want to. But if, if, if you call me and I'm like, I have to call you back and I'm not going to tell you that I've been sleeping like all day with soap operas playing and wait, that's, that's a snail. Any, anything. And, and put it back to the pictures. The world makes it look cute. The world makes it look cute. The world makes it look cute, but it's an eater that eats away at God's people. The world makes it look normal. Go back to the snails, if you will. The, the world, it may be something that the world may, makes look normal. What's okay if you eat the whole box of Klondike bars at 2 o'clock in the morning? Everybody eats their feelings. No, everybody doesn't eat their feelings. Tell somebody. I'm not just talking about smoking and drinking. I'm talking about eating, too. Okay? The world makes it look cute. But it's, it's eating away. Its full intention is to eat away slowly at your vibrancy. So tell your spouse. So often sharing your struggles with an accountability partner will disarm their power because they cannot thrive in the light. What I'm trying to do tonight is I'm trying to make it where when you leave, you don't say, what in the world did she mean by hide in the light? Tell somebody. Tell somebody. A little side note here. Studies have proven that most violent, most violent crimes take place at night. They take place in the darkness where there is no light. So let me make three points here, okay? I'm closing up. Three points in relation to the snail. Point number one, just because it's a slow erosion doesn't mean it's harmless. Play the first video, if you will. Just because it's a slow erosion doesn't mean it's harmless. So this is in real time a snail 
eating on some foliage. And through this whole, we could watch that for a long time and you wouldn't see anything. That looks harmless. Like, just give it a nice little place to live. I mean, it's not hurting. That thing wouldn't hurt a soul. I mean, look how cute it is. I mean, it needs a place to live. No, just because it's a slow process doesn't mean that it's not an impacting thing. Okay? The damage of the snail can go undetected at first. But over time, can be impacting. Second video, please. Over time, can be impacting. However fast that was sped up, I'm not sure. But to you watching, it looks like it's not doing anything. But over time, eroded. No vibrancy. Eaten away we teach on unforgiveness a lot and we may not ever quit because unforgiveness is one of the one of the most deadly snails that will eat away at your life guilt shame deadly snail that you think it's not hurting me just to not be able to get over myself. It's, it's, I'm humble. I just don't. I'm humble and I just hate where I've come from. Yeah, but if that's guilt and shame, you will keep, you will stay so stuck because it's eating away at you being able to receive what God has for you. So it can, it can look slow, but it's very impacting. So be on guard. Everybody follow me right here. Let's get real. Be on guard for things that are slowly doing this. If it is slowly draining your energy, if you, don't, if you don't stop it, it will impact your life. If it is slowly killing your passion, if you don't stop it, it will destroy your walk with God. If it is slowly eating away at good relationships, get in the light. If it is slowly eating away at your time, it will never stop unless you stop it. If it is eating away at your worship, it's a snail. And this is so many times, I'm going to reiterate, so many times this is, this is things you don't, want to, you don't want to talk about or admit. It could be something as common as eating, like I said earlier, anything that you sneak around and do, anything that you don't want somebody else to know that you're doing or thinking is a snail. Point number two. So everybody say point number one. Just because it's a slow erosion doesn't mean it's harmless. You got that? Point number two. Call it what it is, baby. Call it what it is. Back to the picture, if you will. This is what the cartoon world wants everybody to think that a snail is. But I'm telling you, that is not what a snail is. Okay? I'll say it again. A snail is this. The truth is a snail is a light avoiding, darkness abiding, hungry creature that needs to attach to a host to feed on slowly. What in your life is dark abiding, light avoiding, and hungry? What's the snail in your life? It doesn't matter what the world calls it. Take the petticoat off of it. Call it what it is. Call it what it is. It's light avoiding. If it's isolating you, it's avoiding light. If it's isolating you, if you are isolating, then the Lord sent this message tonight to show you that is a snail. Get in the light. If you are feeling like you have to withdraw away from things, if it, is, if it is pulling you away from worship, if it is pulling you away from people, it is light avoiding. It is darkness abiding. And these things are hungry. Jealousy can be a snail. And jealousy is hungry. Materialism can be a snail. And materialism is hungry. It wants to attach to you. It wants to feed on you slowly. So don't put pretty names on ugly things, okay? That's number two. 
oh, after I was already studying, the Lord gave me this. Do you see you can come? And I got excited about this. This is a, we're going to lift the mood now, okay? So point number three, it has, it has nothing to do with, um, really with anything else that I've said. It doesn't really have anything to do with light except for where it's placed in the Bible. But number three, this is to the church, salt kills snails. What have I been telling you, Matthew 5 and 14, you are the light of the world. But what does he say before he says you are the light of the world? You are the salt of the earth. So what are we supposed to do, church? When God gave me that, I'm like, yes, I am supposed to preach about snails tonight. I'm not in. Because I was like, God, you're really making me do some weird stuff. Snails, I hate them. And I'm actually teaching a whole lesson on snails. And if, if I'm not popular, but if I were popular, like all those preacher pickers would have a time. Like she doesn't even preach out of the Bible. She preaches about things. I mean, she's preaching about snails. She's calling her people ferns. But when he gave me this, I'm like, no, I got to talk about snails because it is no coincidence that in Matthew 5 and 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. And 5 and 14, he says, you are the light of the world. So what, what does he want his church to do? He wants his church to. Here it is in a nutshell. I could have said it in three minutes. He wants his church individually and collectively to get immersed, baptized in his spirit until rivers of living water flow from us. And then he wants us to let his light shine on us, in us, and through us. And then he wants us to go out into the darkness and find the snails and be salt on them. Be salt on them. So what do I mean? We're going to go into the Rusk public school system until we start a school. Yes, we, Lord willing, we're going to start a school. But we're not going to have it started by August. So what are we going to do? We're going to raise up strong kids. We're going to get them immersed, Lord willing, in the Holy Spirit. We're going to raise them in the light. And then we're going to send them to the school. And we're going to say, be salt on every snail. You be salt on every snail. And don't you let a snail attach to you. You be salt on that snail. So Sound of Freedom is about... Child trafficking, child sex trafficking. Here's how, here's how we as a church can be salt. Target that in your prayer. Target that in what you talk about. Make people aware of what's going on. And let's be on offense. And let's start talking about these awful things, gender mutilation, and how it is hurting kids, and how it is destroying. Let's go be salt. Let's get absolutely all involved in our government. Absolutely let's get involved in our school system. Why? Because the, uh, the things that kill snails are light and salt. Stand to your feet. Everybody say, let there be light. Why don't you lift your hands right now and you say, Father, show me what's taking away the vibrancy. Show me what's keeping me from being vibrant right now. Lord, do I look like I looked right after you saved me? God, do I look like I looked right after you set me free? Do I look like I looked right after you delivered me? Do I look like I looked? Does my marriage look like it looked right after you restored it? Or has it lost its vibrancy? Does our church still look vibrant? God, it's your church. Do we look vibrant or not? And if not, then saturate us in your spirit. I'm calling right now in the name of Jesus, every dark, loving, light, avoiding, hungry thing that is trying to eat away at the people of God. I am calling it to the surface right now in Jesus' name. And here's how we're going to be the, the salt. You're surrounded by light and salt. Go tell somebody what you're facing. There's enough of us. We will pick you up. We will lift you up. We will carry you to the throne. You don't have to live sad. You don't have to keep repeating the cycle you've been repeating over and over and over. 
It's a game-changing day for you. Father, I ask that you would give us the courage to hide in the light and not to run from the light because we're afraid of what's going to be exposed. We open up our hearts. Give us the courage to open our hearts and say, oh, God, I didn't want to admit it. Oh, I knew that was there. Oh. And here's what I feel the Lord saying to you. You are safe. You are safe in my presence. Expose your heart to my light. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never laugh at you. I will never turn from you. Your frailties are safe in my presence. Amen. Lord bless you. You're free to go. I love you. Stay vibrant, my friend.